I want to tell you something this morning. I love you. I love Calvary Chapel. You have been such a blessing and encouragement and strength. Isn't it wonderful the way Jesus made the church that we need each other? We really, in a local church, we need each other. And then we can't just be a local church all by ourselves. We need the whole church. We need the body of Christ. We just need each other. And Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He said, if we would come into the unity of heaven, which is supernatural, it's nothing we can ever make up. If we would come into that, all the world would know that we are his followers. We bear so much fruit. So it's just wonderful. We thank God for the the opportunity to get to know you and work with you over the years. I remember the first, very first time we came, Dave Kaler invited a couple of our pastors to come out and and I remember I'd never been in a meeting like that. It was a rocky meeting. I thought a fight was going to break out. And instead, these people, there was tears. These were the leaders and they were, there was repentance and loving one another. And I, I thought, wow, I have come into something that is amazing. God is here and doing an amazing work. And I remember when we were driving back to Winnipeg, we were talking about what went on that evening. And we were just so privileged. We said, Lord, we were so privileged to be part of that. And that was the beginning of a tremendous healing and restoration of Calvary Chapel. And God has just done so much. And uh, it's always a privilege to come here. We love your leadership. Your leaders are are gifted and godly and passionate for Jesus. And so uh, I thank you. Thank you for your warm welcome and thank you for the privilege of, of walking together. If you would open your Bibles, please, to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I want to talk about prayer this morning because... Prayer is really important to God. You know that prayer is Jesus' number one priority for us as the church. Did you know that? Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. In fact, not just a house of prayer, it's a house of prayer for all nations. And if you're like me, you feel a little bit guilty about your prayer life. Anybody feel guilty about their prayer life? Well, there's a few of us. Good. You, you're, you, you must have a praying church. Uh, when Rob announced your prayer meeting uh, this week, that it was going to be in the house next door, I said, Lord, I'm asking you to so explode the prayer in this church, they won't be able to meet in the house next door for very long. They'll have to meet here. And when God's people begin to pray, something supernatural and profound happens. Jesus said he never wanted the church to be anything other than first a house of prayer. And that means you and me. And yet prayer is something we know we should do, we ought to do, We must do. And yet, if you're like me, you think 
man, I feel like I'm failing at this. I do not want you to receive that message today. I don't want you to feel guilty about prayer. I don't want you to feel like you're, this is another message that says you shoulda, woulda, coulda. Anybody ever hear a shoulda, woulda, coulda message? Not in this church. Okay, that's good. Shoulda, woulda, coulda never, ever does anything to help us grow up and mature in Christ. We just can't pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and do what Jesus is calling us to do. We need help. We need help from heaven. And thankfully, Jesus has sent us help from heaven. Do you know who he sent? The Holy Spirit. He said, it's to your advantage I go away. Because if I don't go away, he won't come. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And on the day of Pentecost, as the early church was, do you know what they were doing on the day of Pentecost? Were they eating? They were praying. Thank you. They were, they were in the upper room and it says they were all together and they were devoting themselves to pray. Because Jesus had told them, look, I'm going to go away. You guys wait. You gather and wait for power from on high. And so they were doing that for 10 days. They were waiting and praying and waiting. I think they were probably confessing their sins and apologizing for things that had gone on. And they were still a bit bewildered by everything that had happened. And then when the day of Pentecost had come at the right time in the fullness of time as they were there praying suddenly this mighty rushing wind blew into the room and they each one of them had tongues like fire resting on their heads and they were empowered and those fearful group of 120 believers changed the world through the Holy Spirit and if you If you're thinking, oh, not another message on prayer. Oh God, I'm just going to feel like a failure. I know I'm already not good enough in this area. I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us. And if He's not helping us, then we don't have to pray. But if we'll turn to Him and say, I need your help, then He will enable us to do what Jesus wants us to do. We're living in an urgent hour. The world's crazy, isn't it? I mean, maybe not in Steinbeck. In Winnipeg, the world's crazy. People are so messed up and broken. Do you know there's 53 genders now? 53, and it increases every day. I mean, when I grew up, there was only two. You were a boy or a girl. Now there's 53. People are so confused about life. Things just feel like they've come unhinged. You think, where is common sense? What is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. We're racing to the return of Christ. 
Jesus' return is closer and closer and closer and closer with every year. And, and this generation, we're actually living in a generation. This young generation that's here could well see the return of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus gave us a metric. We don't know the hour or the day. But we can actually measure the season of Jesus' return. And it has to do with the Great Commission. Jesus said this gospel will be preached to every people group and then the end will come. The Christian church has never, ever been able to even measure how our progress with the Great Commission until the last couple of decades. And now we can measure it. And missiologists are saying at the present rate the gospel is going to unreached peoples. We could well finish the task in the next 15 to 25 years. And that means Christ will return. And we know there'll be great turmoil. There'll be all kinds of things going on on planet earth as Jesus gets closer and closer to his return. And so the urgency for the church to pray is great. And the Holy Spirit is here To help us with that. If you've never been a prayer. I believe this year. The Holy Spirit can change your life in that. If you've been a prayer. And maybe you've gotten discouraged. And you've given up. I pray today. This morning's message. Will help you and lift you. And put you in a new place. Of perseverance with him. And if you're a prayer. I pray that this message today will strengthen you and that God will use you as a catalyst to make this Calvary Chapel a house of prayer for all nations. And you know what Jesus said about his house of prayer? He said there'd be one profound characteristic about my house of prayer. In Isaiah 56, he said, you will be joyful in my house of prayer. And when Jesus fills the church with his presence and with the spirit of prayer, there's joy. There's just joy. No more boring prayer meetings. If prayer meetings are boring, something's wrong. Jesus can't be there because prayer meetings should never be boring. They should be really exciting and electric. So let's look at this. The title of my message here is When God Says Wait. The Reasons for Persistent Prayer. Sometimes God answers our prayers right away with a yes. In fact, sometimes before we ask, God answers our prayers. Has anyone ever experienced that? That's wonderful. Before we ask, he answers. It's the no and the not yet that are difficult. Because you know God always answers your prayers. Always. He either answers them with yes, no, or wait. But he always answers our prayers. And it's the no or wait that are difficult. You know what I'm talking about. If, you're, if you've been praying to have a baby month after month after month after month and you're not pregnant. It's agonizing. Is it no or not yet? Or you've been praying for someone's healing. Maybe you've been praying for years and the symptoms are still there. And you say, is it no 
or not yet. Or maybe you've been praying for someone's salvation for decades. And they're still, in fact, they look like they're further away from it. Is, is God saying no? Or wait? Well, the Bible tells us, unless God makes it really clear it's a no, we have to assume it's a wait. Not yet. And we need to be persistent in our prayers because God often requires persistence in prayer. Some of you may be familiar with Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey was a famous radio host and he tells the story of a little four-year-old boy and his mom who went to the grocery store one day. And before they got in the store, the mom took little Johnny's cheeks in her hands and she said, now Johnny, don't ask for any chocolate chip cookies. Johnny looked at her blankly. They went in the store. He's in the little cart there up and down the aisles. Johnny was perfect until they got to the cookie aisle. When he saw those cookies, he couldn't help himself. He said, Mommy, Mommy, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, Johnny, no, I told you, don't even ask. Now they went down the aisles and often happens they end up back in the cookie aisle and Johnny couldn't help himself. He saw those chocolate chip cookies. He said, Mommy, Mommy, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, I'm not even listening to you. Finally, they ended up in the checkout. Johnny realized it was his last opportunity. And in a moment of desperation, he stood up in that chair and he said at the top of his little voice, in the name of Jesus, will somebody buy me some chocolate chip cookies? Everybody in the lineup turned, started laughing and clapping and cheering. And Before Johnny and his mom left the store, they had 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. God often requires persistence in prayer. And that's what we want to talk about today. Let's read Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he he will answer him from within and say, don't bother me. The door is shut. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence. Why do you turn to a neighbor and without spitting on them say, impudence. You can circle that. That's profound key to this. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, 
receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Father, we thank You for the good things that You have in store for us here this morning. And Holy Spirit, we welcome You We're asking that you will take the word of God and write it on our hearts and open our understanding up and let us see what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing this passage tells us is that Jesus Christ lived a life of prayer. Verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Jesus was always praying praying. And the Gospel of Luke describes this better than any of the other Gospels because right in the beginning, in Luke 3, verse 21, Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. And the Bible says, when Jesus came up out of the water as he was praying, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit came on him in the form of a dove, and a voice spoke out of heaven. And said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm really pleased. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he's praying. And then Luke 5, Luke 6, Luke 9, Luke 11, Luke 18. All throughout the gospel of Luke, it says Jesus withdrew into the wilderness to pray. Jesus went up the mountain to pray. Jesus went alone to a desolate place to Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration to pray. Someone has said, you know, Jesus' life can be summed up by he just went from one prayer meeting to another and worked miracles in between. Jesus lived a life of prayer. And why? Why did Jesus need to pray? I mean, he was sinless. He was perfect. He was the Son of God. He was also the Son of Man. And he gives us an example of kingdom living, which is a life of prayer. Because even though Jesus was perfect, he still needed his heavenly Father's communion and his heavenly Father's help. Prayer is ordained by God. It's just the way things work. And do you know why God ordained prayer? Come on. Take a risk. Why did God create prayer? Why did God make heaven and earth and the universe work on prayer? Like prayer is not an option. It's not a little side thing we do. Prayer's the main event. Why did God ordain prayer? So that we could 
Yes, so that we could commune with Him. Prayer is one of the ways we commune. It's the main way we commune. We have relationship with God. That's beautiful. Good. You get another gem in your crown when you get to heaven. What's another reason God ordained prayer? For His glory. And why does prayer give God glory? We praise Him when He acts. Exactly. We can't do it without God. Prayer is an expression of dependence. When we don't pray, we're saying, God, I don't need you. I can take care of this myself. But when we pray... We're depending on Him. We're we're inviting Him to break into our time and space with His supernatural power and grace. And then when we get the answers, He gets the glory. In fact, the psalmist said this. He said, God, I'll call on Your name and, and You will answer. In fact, God's saying it. God says, call to me and I will answer you. You get the answers you need, and I get the glory. The second thing this tells us is that Jesus taught on prayer. Verse 1 says, When he finished, one of his disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, the Bible never records Jesus' disciples asking him to teach them to preach or to heal or to cast out demons, or to evangelize. In fact, the only time the Bible records the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something, it was to pray. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think the reason is because they realized everything Jesus did came out of his life of prayer. Where's Jesus? Eh, he's praying. What's Jesus doing now? Ah, he's praying. Jesus, where were you? I got up in the middle of the night to find you. He was out praying. Jesus lived a life of prayer, taught his disciples how to pray. and, And he begins by teaching them this, what we now call the Lord's Prayer, which is not a formula. It's actually a structure of relationship. It's rich in in training us how we commune with God and how we see God's kingdom come in our lives and to earth. Jesus begins by saying, when you pray, not if you pray. Jesus, Jesus was saying prayer is not optional because prayer is our lifeline to God. It's the oxygen in our relationship with Him. Every breath of prayer is communion with the Almighty Prayer is how we cultivate and sustain this intimacy with God. F.B. Meyer said this, The greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. And then Jesus, after he teaches the disciples to pray, immediately he goes into this parable emphasizing persistence in prayer. And he tells a story. And he exaggerates. He says, 
You have a friend who comes at midnight to stay with you and you don't have anything. So what do you do? You get up at midnight and you go to your friend's house and you pound on the door. Jesus is saying, you know, this, this would never happen. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go at midnight to your, your friend's house. And if you did, your friend would never not open the door. But Jesus is exaggerating. He's making a point and he's saying, and you pound on the door and you say, friend, friend, open up. I need, I need some bread or I need some help. I've had some friends come and stay. And the friend, your friend says, nah, go away. It's midnight. My kids are in bed. We're tired. We're sleeping. No, I don't have anything to give you. Jesus is exaggerating and saying, wow, even if that happened. And then he says this, verse 8. Yet, though he won't get up and give him anything because he's his friend, he will do it because of his impudence. He'll do it because of his persistence, the NASB says. The King James Version says he will do it because of his importunity. This is a beautiful word. This word means literally without eyes cast down. It means to be shameless. Jesus is saying, when you pray, be shameless. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Don't come with your eyes down, mumbling your cap in your hand. No, be shamelessly audacious, the NIV says. God wants you to ask about everything. Everything. There isn't... God says, no, that's too small. Don't bother me. God ever say, don't bother me? This is His business. He has everything. He is everything. His heart is to give. His heart is to pour out. His heart is to release. And Jesus is saying, look, when you pray... Be shameless about it. Be like Billy. In the name of Jesus, will somebody buy me some chocolate chip cookies? Shamelessly audacious. And then Jesus goes on and he reinforces this. Then he says, I tell you, verse 9, ask. And that word doesn't mean just ask once. It means ask and keep on asking. And you will receive. Seek and keep on seeking. And you will find and knock and keep on knocking. And the door will be opened to you. And they'll notice the order Jesus says, ask, seek, find. Knock, sorry, ask, seek, knock. A-S-K. If you take the letters there, it's like Jesus is reinforcing this again and saying, are you getting this? 20 times in the New Testament, 
The Bible says, ask, 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 ask. I wonder, I wonder how much we miss that God wants to pour out upon us because we don't ask or we give up asking. Jesus is, 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 is teaching His disciples to pray and He's saying, look, here's how you pray, but remember this. If you don't remember anything else, be persistent. Be shameless. Just keep coming, coming, coming. And it will be given to you. Jesus tells another parable just a few chapters later in Luke 18 about the persistent widow. And he he tells the parable, it says, because you always ought to pray and not lose heart. Maybe, Maybe there's someone here this morning who's lost heart in prayer. You've grown faint. You've wearied out. You're exhausted. You're utterly spiritless. You've given up or you've quit asking. Maybe the Lord's saying to you today, Be shamelessly audacious. We had a great illustration of this at the end of 2016. We have a budget like you have a budget and we pray for our budget in our, our one of our congregations, the Panic Congregation. And uh, right from January right to December, we kept getting behind in our budget every month, every month, every month. First of all, we were $15,000 behind, then 20, then 30, 40, 50. Well, by the time December came, we were $62,500 behind our budget. And we still had to pray in the month of December. We needed over $150,000 for the month of December. So we kept asking. We'd been praying all year, all year, all year, all year. And you know, when you just see things sliding, 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 and you're praying, 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 you think, what are we doing? Is God even hearing our prayers? But Jesus said to keep on asking. So we kept on asking, kept on asking. December's first offering, that was good. December's second offering was good. December's third offering was good. And the fourth one was Christmas Day. You remember that. How many of you stayed home Christmas Day? Yeah, so lots of people did in our church. So it was a small group. We needed $62,500 by the last week in December. And I thought, oh Lord. This is impossible. This is impossible. But you've said to ask, so we're going to ask. And we have one last prayer meeting, New Year's Eve. We have a prayer summit. And so the last few hours of 2016, we had another opportunity to ask. I shared it with the church. I said, come on, let's pray for this, you guys, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was going to happen. I was praying with great unbelief. But I was praying. Anyway, we took it up. There were a few people who were convicted at the prayer meeting and they put their ties in and we all had a good laugh. And Anyway, the next morning, January the 1st was Sunday. Our finance person, Elizabeth, comes rushing in. She says, Ron, Ron, do you want to know what the offering was? I thought, wow, Elizabeth's happy. It must be good. I said, yeah, tell her. She said, the offering was $53,200 or $52,300. All that money came in the last week and the last night. Wow, that's a miracle. Well, we were celebrating and I shared it with the first 
the service and said, wow, God has done a great miracle. Now, if you're really smart this morning, you're thinking, hey, hold it. You needed 63500 and you only got 53000 You're still $10,000 short. Why are you so happy? Well, I was so happy because that 53000 was a miracle. That was a clear answer to prayer. And then in the first service, after it was over, I shared what happened. This guy comes up. He says, Pastor, I, I need to confess to you. I said, oh, okay. He said, you know what? The last week of December, Jesus told me to put a $5,000 check, check in the offering, and I didn't do it. And I thought, wow, that, that brings us up to 58000 I know there was another $5,000 check somewhere in the congregation and somebody didn't obey the Holy Spirit. And I thought, God, you heard us month after month after month after month after month. You kept us waiting, kept us waiting, kept us waiting, kept us waiting. We kept asking, 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 and you did a miracle. It was such an encouragement in persistent prayer. Now let me end by giving you five reasons God delays answering. Five reasons God requires persistent prayer. Why why does He keep us asking the same requests over and over and over? Is He deaf? Do we have to convince Him? Are we trying to wear God down? No. Let me give you the reasons. Number one, it might not be the right time. Sometimes God delays answering our prayers because the timing is not right. Revelation 5 verse 8. It's a beautiful picture. When Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb and each elder was holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. This is a wonderful picture of persistent prayer. Our prayers rise like incense. And when God's timing is right, those bowls fill up, those golden bowls fill up and the answer comes. Grade 9 science, they taught us how to do a titration. Anyone know what a titration is? Anybody have grade 9 science? I think maybe they don't do this anymore. This was a different era because when I asked our church, nobody knew. Anyway, a titration is simply this. You have two beakers of solution, clear solution, and you take a pipette and you draw up solution from beaker B and you begin to put it in beaker A, drop at a time. And something's supposed to happen. So I start putting the drops in, drop, 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 drop. Turn to my teacher, I say, hey, Nothing's happening. He said, just keep putting the drops in. Drop, 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 drop. Nothing's happening. He said, just keep putting the drops in. Drop, 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 drop. And then one last drop. Drop. Boom. The whole liquid changed color. It was amazing. I'll never forget it. I grinned from ear to ear. They were two clear solutions And as I put the solution A and solution B, it began to saturate the solution. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And then suddenly, one last drop saturated the solution and 
it exploded in this beautiful purple color. That's like our prayers. We think nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. We pray, we pray. Our prayers are rising like incense until the timing of God is right. The bowl's full and boom, the answer to our prayers come. The enemy wants to convince us nothing's happening, nothing's happening. So we quit or give up. Number two, it might not be the right provision. Romans 2 says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Sometimes God delays the answers to our prayers because the provision isn't there yet. He has something better in mind and we would settle for something less. When I was in my early 20s, 23, 24, I started praying for a wife. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for a wife. I even tried to help God out a couple of times. And it never worked out. And then, suddenly, When I was 26, everything came into place. Do you know why I had to wait? Yeah, my wife-to-be was still in high school. She was only in grade 11. She was only 17. I'm six and a half years older than she is. But I'm so glad I waited. Oh, I'm so glad God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Sometimes it's not the right provision. Number three, sometimes we might not have the right attitude. Romans 5 verse 3 and 4 says, We rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character. God sometimes delays because He wants to mature us. He's more interested in our character than our comfort. And sometimes... God wants to do something in your life. He wants to make us more like Jesus. And the only way that can happen is through perseverance. We actually go through a little bit of suffering as we wait. We hold on to the Lord and we become more like Jesus. Sometimes Jesus makes us wait. He tests our desires. He tests our priorities. Number four, we might not have the right pursuit. When we want the answer to prayer more than we want the author to prayer, something's wrong. In Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14, King David says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for The Lord. Oh, waiting can be so hard, can it? But this word wait is a beautiful word. This word wait comes from the root meaning to bind together, to twist around, to wrap 
around. When David says, wait for the Lord, he doesn't mean passive passing of time. He means an active, intentional adhering to God. Sticking to God. Wrapping ourselves around God. Entwining ourselves to Him. Persevering prayer is not about repeating words to God. It's about reconnecting with God. And waiting in prayer is meant to keep us pursuing the author of our prayers, not just the answer to our prayers. When we keep persevering in prayer, we're saying, Jesus, I want you more than I want the answer to this prayer. And lastly, sometimes God delays because of resistance. Demonic resistance. Paul said, Satan hindered us from coming to you, to the Thessalonians. And Daniel tells us that when the angel came to him, the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. From the moment you started to pray, your prayers were heard. But the prince of Persia resisted us for 21 days. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual forces of wickedness. And every day, you battle spiritual forces. And the only way to defeat them is through persevering prayer. Let's stand together. The greatest prayer you can ever pray is saying yes to Jesus. And if you're here this morning or you're listening on the internet, there's never been a specific moment where you've surrendered your life to Christ, said yes to Jesus. I want to invite you to pray that prayer in a minute. It's a life-changing prayer. It opens up a whole new world of possibilities. But maybe you've quit praying. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you've given up on something or someone. Maybe you're not in the habit of praying. And this is the year for you to grow Maybe you used to pray and you've just kind of wandered out of the habit, lost your way somehow in the busyness of life. Jesus wants to breathe on the coals of prayer in your life and fan them into flame. I'm going to invite you to Just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me about prayer? Maybe he isn't saying anything to you and that's okay. But if the Lord is saying something to you about prayer, something rang a bell this morning. I want to 
encourage that. And I want you to get a partner, share what you felt God said to you, and then pray for each other. I'm going to ask you to do that in about 30 seconds. And if you didn't, if you don't feel God is saying anything to you, then I just want you to find a partner and just bless the person. Maybe you want to bless them in the area of prayer or some other way that we can just invite God's blessing on each other. Are you okay to do that?